0: Good morning, everyone. And so our, our first reading and our gospel uh, certainly have themes of calling and response, discipleship, calling of the apostles, and um, we certainly have these things. In uh, the first reading, um, Samuel was very important to Israel as the prophet, and we're told the beginning story about how that call came to be. Uh, from the Lord. And then we hear the gospel account. And my friends, um, for me, looking at them, uh, St. Paul is the one that sometimes that second reading from St. Paul is kind of like, kind of out there compared to the other two. And but so one of the ways to tie it in is to simply say, once we have that call, once we're a disciple, our bodies are no longer ours. And we're not to use it in uh, immoral ways. And I'm talking about just more than what Paul was talking about, to be holy and righteous in the way we treat ourselves and others. My friends, one of the things that I picked up from the first reading and the gospel is the very simple way that God went about doing this. And reflecting on my own life, um, a lot of times great events, uh, they come to happen in very simple ways. And uh, thus it was with the arrival of Jesus... Remember, in Christmas, no one, it was almost unremarkable for some. I mean, the king in that city didn't even know what was going on, right? So um, with the arrival of Jesus on the public scene, uh, we're told the story from John. And the, the meeting between him and his future apostles happened in a very simple way. Now, for some time, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptizer, had been telling people, that the long-awaited Messiah was coming, was close at hand. And then in our gospel, we're told, one day on the bank of the Jordan River with two of John's disciples, remember John is considered to be a prophet, so he has disciples, so two of his disciples, John and Andrew, um, it was in all appearances just another day. And uh, there were no signs in the sky in John's accord of this, or no voices heard from heaven at this time. Everything seemed rather normal. Then a man passed by. There was nothing initially extraordinary about him, at least not from the outside, for he was dressed just like themselves, uh, maybe with the exception of John. Remember, John lived in the desert, so he was kind of extreme in his ways. Nor was there anything special about his background, Remember, they're in a small town. And they all kind of know each other a little bit. And um, this man, they would recognize, uh, he was the son of a carpenter and uh, from some remote village. And because his father was a carpenter, that means Jesus would have been a carpenter. Yet, on seeing him, John the baptizer becomes excited. And he says, Behold, the Lamb of God over there. And then later in John's Gospel, um, where it's recorded about John the Baptist, he says, This is the man I've been telling you about, the man who is to come after me. And John and Andrew, at the urging of John the Baptizer, decided to follow this stranger named Jesus. Friends, when we put all the gospel together, Mark, Matthew, and Luke, along with John, uh, what we see is that um, these two disciples of John the baptizer didn't quite have the courage to approach Jesus. They're staying a few feet behind him. And after a little bit, Jesus stops. He just stops and turns and looks at them. And he says, what are you looking for? And um, in other words... Uh, the translation, the understanding from the Greek is, "What is it you desire?" Meaning for me, and um, they answered, "Where are you staying?" And the meaning of that is, "Where are you teaching?" Because John pointed him out as a prophet. So John taught in the desert. Well, he lived in the desert and he taught by the water. That's where you'd say, "John, John, where do you stay?" At the river. <laughs> so they're asking Jesus, "Where do you teach at?" And Jesus responds, come, and you will see. And they went with him. Now, my friends, the the scriptures do not tell us what they talked about that afternoon. We're told what time it was. I wonder, what were the questions they had for Jesus? And even more importantly, what did Jesus respond to them with? And whatever it was, it was greatly impressed upon them because um, not only did they stay with Jesus, but the very next day, Andrew would run and get his brother all excited. You know what? We found something. And this is how St. John describes the first meeting between Jesus and the core group that would be known as the Twelve Apostles. It just seemed just casual, didn't it? when we go back and look at it, just a casual, almost a conversation of some type. But this is often how true things happen. This was not just a meeting, but this was an encounter with the Lord. And my friends, uh, often this is how true encounters happen. And in an encounter, um, there's uh, something different from when I just when we just meet somebody when we just meet somebody uh, strangers we and eventually go in our separate ways. Um, maybe we have shared some light like, conversations and some trivial matters. I th- often think when before I had my car in Seattle Seattle, I would be at the bus stop and there would be people. Remember, we're all bus riders, and we'd have conversation. We'd get on the bus and we'd go in our separate ways. But in an encounter. In an encounter, people open their hearts to each other. And then a bond develops, and one wishes to remain or to continue to know the person. My friends, um, we must ask ourselves then, have we encountered Christ truly? I know it sounds like an odd question because most of us have been cradle Catholics, meaning we've been talked to, people have talked to us about Jesus, so we've known him since we were little, his name, and often we pray to him and we receive him in the Eucharist. But does that mean we have truly encountered from the heart him? People can stand or sit side by side, even engage in superficial conversations, and still they may never really meet and know and encounter each other. So it could be between us and Christ. Perhaps this is the reason why so many Christians struggle so hard. Not everyone experiences Christ as Savior, as friend, as Lord. And, my friends, if we have not discovered Christ this way, you have not discovered the true meaning of Christianity and how it is to be a disciple of Jesus. Christianity and discipleship mean having a relationship of love with Christ. If you don't have this, you are missing out, and it is a great sadness. We must ask ourselves, Do I let my prayers to him, my religious practices, my religious observances, do they bring me into a real encounter and experience then with Jesus? My friends, in in John's gospel, Jesus was passing by. He was walking along the shores. And so it is with Jesus, always passing by as we would say, but he is always available to those who are sincerely looking for an encounter with him. And my friends, we know this of God. God does not foister himself upon us. He never forces himself into our lives because true love does not do this to people. And God is love, as St. John would tell us. I believe our Lord says to us what He said to John and Andrew Come and you will see. If we accept our Lord's invitation to the heart, He will reveal to you the very mysteries of the kingdom of God. You will receive from Him what He came to tell you about the Father. Sadly, many folks allow Christ to simply pass them by. Some simply fail to recognize him and have no one to point him out in the way that John did, in the way that Andrew pointed him out to his brother. And there are others who recognize him but don't want to get too involved with him because to get too involved with Jesus means you're going to have to change your life. Remember? This one, Jesus, when I was little, told me, you need to be a priest. There was No burning bush, nothing. He just simply spoke it into my heart. And what did Mark do? He ran away until he was in his 30s. <laughs> yeah, doing whatever I wanted to do. Why? Because I knew this was going to change my life. But then I allowed the encounter to happen. And certainly it did change my life. Now you guys are stuck with me. And there are some who only know of him. They know his name and what people have spoke about him. In other words, we would say acquainted with him. But there is no sincere effort to follow him and to enter into a close relationship with him. My friends, I think most of you uh, if you look back on your life, uh, you have encountered a person who has greatly impacted or influenced your lives. Here at this parish, two years after I came, on Good Friday, I was called to the, Saint Francis, the Franciscan Hospice Center, and a little lady was dying. And you, for some of you will remember, so I came back on Good Friday, and I was in tears, because the woman took my hand and would not let go of it. And she said, all I have is you. And then she said, all I have is the parish. Martha is her name. I will never forget her. I encountered her. She opened her heart to me and called me in, yes, as priest but I will never forget her. Never. This is what I mean, this type of experience and encounter. All of you have known it at some level with people, but you must come to have this with Christ so that it impacts, impresses, and changes your heart. Can we say that we have had that encounter now? And if not, what do we do? How do we experience it? My friends, I look at John the Baptist, he pointed out Jesus. Andrew pointed out Jesus. The apostles pointed out Jesus. Mother Church, her goal, her responsibility is to point out Christ to you and to help you to experience and encounter Him. Sometimes I think Mother Church forgets the past years, uh, the word evangelization has been thrown out. And um, last night I got, I was trying to express my, as a baker, um, there's essentials for cake, eggs, oil, sugar. But if I want to be chocolate, I'd have to add this. If I wanted to be carrot cake, I'd have to add that. Evangelization is the same way. Rome says it's this. The bishops in Washington say it's this. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out exactly what it is for us. But when I get that loss, I go back. What is the role of the church? She is to point out Christ to you. She is to be the image of Christ. We need to stay and get back to that. Then, then you encounter our Lord. So I hope your pastor will be doing that. Has been. And work towards that. I know there's other things. There's social justice issues. There's many, many things. But this becomes the core. that's why I focus so much on holiness with you. Father, what's your goal? That you be holy. The way St. Paul describes in the second reading. Because your body is the very temple of the Holy Spirit now. We are called to be in holiness. And to walk in holiness. And to speak with holiness. And to act with holiness. And that's no easy task. My friends, um, as you all know, uh, Deacon Dale was called home to the Father on Friday. And good for him because he sees all the things that he talked about, all the things that I talk about. But his family's heart is broken this parish's heart is broken. All of you have known mourning, so we pray and we walk in faith. Now my friends, there are certain rights and privileges given to bishops, priests, and deacons because they are public figures in Mother Church. And i will ensure that these are extended. They are not just courtesies but rites and rituals that are proper to a bishop and a priest and a deacon, especially when they're what we call sitting, a sitting. And Deacon Dale is a sitting deacon of this parish. So you'll see to my right his chair, the chair of a deacon. We have bunting on it, just a sign of our mourning. St. Nicholas of Tolentino is our patron. And St. Nicholas, one of his charisms was uh, for the healing of the sick, of course, but he also... Uh, prayed for all the holy souls in purgatory and for all those who were dying and those who were passing to heaven. So, in front of the statue of St. and Tolentino, you'll find a table. And on the table, you will find the armor of a deacon, his dalmatic, his stole, the word of God and the, a book of prayers, the rosary, A cross, I don't need to explain that to you. You know what that is, but that is the very armor of a deacon. And you will find it in front of the statue there. In memory. My friend says, as I meet with Peggy, uh, uh, and as soon as uh, the details for the funeral liturgies are decided, we will communicate that to you. You all know because you're living it. We are in the midst of a pandemic and and there are restrictions. I cannot break those restrictions, not for myself, not for uh, Deacon. But we will do what we can uh, to accommodate. But I will ensure that the rites and rituals are extended to our friend, Deacon Dale. So my friends, Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon him. May he rest in peace, and may his soul and the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace, amen. Amen.